Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner. And joining me on this episode, I'm very pleased to say that I have the author and journalist, Joe Hall, who popped round to Shay Emma Gunn's, whatever you like to call it, the Emma Gunn studio, uh, my office, to talk about her incredible career. She was style editor on Heat magazine for many years. She was style editor covering fashion and beauty while I was at OK magazine covering fashion and beauty. So we would often cross paths at events and things like that. So we've known each other for a long, long time. But since leaving, she has written numerous books. I kid you not, she has penned seven books. Um, She'll tell you how and when and why. But I know that when I've talked to authors previously on this show, one of the questions that listeners have really enjoyed hearing the answer to is the creative process. How do you get motivated? How do you sit down and actually write a book? And considering Jo has been so disciplined and written seven, (laughs) it's... um, impressive even more impressive and even more juicy that I want to pick apart her entire process how she set about it and all of the things that she has done and put in place to make sure that um, her books are sent to her publisher on deadline in and around all of that we also talk about the fact that we are both print dinosaurs we both started our careers on print magazines made of paper And now uh, journalism is a very different thing. It's uh, online and we talk about diversifying what she's been doing. Obviously, I have a podcast as well as writing for magazines and digital titles. But we, yeah, we talk about basically how to stay relevant. Like if you just continue to work on magazines, it is tough out there and it might not pay the bills. So what do you do? If you don't know about Jo Hall, she is just so gosh darn funny. And uh, I asked her to describe her books and she said, sort of paraphrasing here, but basically in all of her books, she takes a side swipe at popular culture. So if you go to the her author page on Amazon, she's written things like What Your Dog's Breed Says About You, um, A Survival Guide to Festivals, Cope With Everything, Rain, um, Tents, Toilets, Torrential Rain, Too Much booze and more don't be a nordic which is a which is a book that she has left in my flat which i'm devouring why embracing the scandy lifestyle won't change your life so you think you're a millennial it's just and it's funny and she manages to it's one thing to make a quip but she manages to make something that is a book the entire thing she manages to make funny so we talk about all of that in the feature about um, how tempting it is to write about your personal life when you're a journalist because the first person piece is king and how to do that in a way that doesn't sell out everyone you know and love. (laughs) And you'll be pleased to hear that she talks about... uh, She's got some amazing, absolutely amazing celebrity gossip anecdotes, which is making me chuckle because I'm now remembering them. They were fabulous. And uh, so before the end of the show, just at the end, we sort of do a, we can't leave without you telling us some of those stories. And by Jiminy, does she? So I hope that you enjoy it. If you're following me on social media and you're listening to this show when it goes out, you'll know that I am nearly in the middle of my 40 Days of 40 festival, as I like to call it. It's celebrating something normal slash wonderful slash fantastical every day in the 40 day run up to my 40th birthday on December the 17th and I've had a lovely weekend so far I um 
met up with Jules Von Hepp. If you remember, he's been on this show. He has a podcast called Jules and Sarah. And he said, come round, lass. <laughs> I'll take you for a walk. So I popped round yesterday afternoon. It was pouring with rain. And we went for an absolutely epic walk along the Thames, which was very muddy. And he had warned me to wear my all-weather boots. And I, they remained watertight, which I was pleased about. But it was just such a gorgeous, gorgeous day catching up with somebody in... In the spirit of 40 days of 40, it was just giving that person just 100% of your attention and not being on your phone or having to rush off somewhere. And it was just bliss. So um, thank you, Jules, if you're listening. I'm sure you are for a really incredibly beautiful day. And um, I'm going to be doing a couple of mini episodes just to keep you updated on 40 days of 40 because I'm getting ever such a lot of DMs. And I think um, a couple of short little episodes throughout the week might be a nice way of keeping you up to speed. Right, I think it probably goes without saying that I'm going to put all of Joe's links in the show notes on iTunes and emmaguns.com. I will be putting the links to all of her books and if you want to get in touch with her or me, all you have to do is send an email to thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns. Um, often when I have authors on, people send me emails to uh, ask them questions directly. I will happily pass those on. So here she is, and I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and had an absolute ball recording it. Thank you, Joe, for being such a fantastic je- dress. Thank you, Joe, for being such a fantastic guest. Here it is, the Emma Gunn Show, featuring author and journalist Joe Hall. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. Everybody, Joe has trekked all the way over to my humble abode, which I'm always very grateful for. So it was for a bit of a trek because I um, didn't look at my journey planner properly and uh, I got a bus somewhere entirely unnecessary. But oh, did you? Here. Yes. <laughs> and, and she texted me saying, it's about a mile to your flat from the station, isn't it? And I was like, where are you? Stop where you are. That's, that's Google Maps fault. You might have to look into that. Yes, I will. I will, for, I will lodge a complaint. <laughs> Who do I write to? <laughs> so Joe Hoare, everyone, is somebody that I've known for a jolly long time because for many years we were... Um, well, uh, sort of equivalents, yeah, weren't we? like sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so I was fashion and beauty editor on OK Magazine for the same at the same time as you were. What was your title? Oh, style editor, the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> a different way of saying the exact same <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, sounds a bit chicer as well, by yeah, the way. Style editor. Yeah, I was always jealous. So we would go to the same events, trips, yeah. etc. We've been to Rio together. Which was amazing. Which was absolutely fantastic. Um, and the reason that I wanted to get Joe on the show is because, A, she's always... Well, she's a great storyteller, everybody. And I think everyone no should pressure. have... No pressure at all. But if you don't perform, then you're going in my basement. <laughs> um, I don't have a basement. I wish I did. Oh, my God. Not what you meant, as in, that's a podcasting term for people that don't quite make it. Have you had anyone that you haven't... <laughs> no, no. No, Every, no. Everyone's, yeah, made, everyone's, everyone's made, made the cut. I wouldn't I wouldn't put anyone in the podcast basement. <laughs> Although never rule it out. You never no, know. It could happen. Joe is also sitting under my um, whiteboard, which has... Um, people that I'm after and there's a column of, of dream guests and the second she walked in my office she just tapped to the board because listeners I have Celine Dion on the dream guest list I mean I'm over the moon at that so if you know Celine Dion or if you are Celine Dion please get in touch with the show and let's make this she happen she would be brilliant she would be amazing I mean I think someone needs to make this happen we must know someone from our old show busy ways well, let's talk about that, because how long have you been out of your showbiz job now for? A, for? So I worked at Heat for 11 years, which makes me feel so old. Um, and I left there um, about a year and a half ago, something like that. Does it um, feel like another life? Um, it, in some ways it does, in some ways it doesn't. Um, it is quite a relief to have a lot of my social life back I'm mm. sure you had the same okay um and it is a bit oh my diamond shoes are too tight but going to parties and events every night once you get sort of past 30 something mm-hmm. as we are um you're just so knackered mm. and I think your friends are starting to get fed up with you because oh can we do something you think oh I could do something in three Thursdays but oh no I can't because <laughs> I might have to go to this thing then so not not having that pressure to go to kind of three or four events a week was mm. the first thing I noticed I thought 
was like, wow, I can actually make plans. And Even just going to the doctor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Going to the doctor or being in to have your delivery, your sales yeah, yeah. delivery arrive. Um, and I just kind of realised, I thought, God, that really was a lot more of my life than I, than I realised. Completely, completely. I don't know if you had this, but because we used to do weddings, obviously, at the mm. magazine, so a lot of it was weekends. And I remember about five years in realising that I'd had to turn down every friend's wedding to go to... To accommodate. Someone from Steps' <laughs> third blessing of their 14th marriage or something. Even if it was just a recce, <laughs> just to go and like yeah, do a dummy just run. take up so much time. I think I also realised that it what takes up a lot of time is just keeping up with everything. I'd be in conference and they'd be talking about... Especially the sort of in the, in the latter few years of me working at Heat when celebrity was changing so much and there would literally be a new celebrity and a new reality show every single week. And I'd be yes. sitting in conference thinking... I don't know who, you know, Sue, she wouldn't be called Sue. Um, <laughs> I don't know who Charlotte, um, you know, Johnson is. Like, shit, who is this person? And Googling it frantically and going, oh, well, she went out with someone that was in TOWIE and she's, like, been in the background of Made in Chelsea twice. And I just think, I don't have the space in my brain to, uh-huh. to keep this anymore. I don't know if when I was younger it was just different because I was genuinely interested or I, I think what's more likely is celebrity was just very different then. I think it's two things. Celebrity was very different, but also the second you make celebrity your job, mm. it stops being as tantalising. Busman's holiday, I suppose. A little bit. It's like, you know, how many... Be honest, you probably have turned down invitations to things that when you said, oh, I was supposed to go to such and such tonight, but honestly, I just needed a night to do my ironing. And everyone thinks, oh, you spoiled cow. Exactly. And you're like, but my ironing is seven feet high. Well, I actually don't have an iron, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, every time I put on social media that I'm doing my ironing, people are like, you do what? <laughs> yeah, what are you ironing? Clothes. What? But don't you just shake them? This is thrilling for people. <laughs> <laughs> Laundry tips. We... <laughs> Joe, I really want to get you onto the podcast yeah, so to talk, talk about, about my ironing. ironing. Sorry. What laundry detergent do you use? <laughs> I thought that was going to be a genuine question. No, but I am sort of interested. No, I'm, well, I, maybe we'll take this offline. <laughs> yeah, off, offline, <laughs> offline comfort chat. Yeah. Oh, so it's comfort. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, right. Um, but you're also an author, and you say that you've been out of heat for 18 months. Yeah. But in that time, you have six books are out. I've, I wrote three when I was still at Heat, not in Heat Hours. Yes, in Heat Hours. Um, oh! <laughs> no, really. And I have written, yeah, four in the, in the um, 18 months that I've left. So that's really impressive because I think a lot of people can identify. I'm certainly one of them with the fact that I've thought about writing one book many, many times and I'm still bookless. So good on you. Well... You say that, I mean, these are the, the kind of books, right, they're, they're comedy books, really. I, the way I describe them is I sort of say they're those books that you buy for a present for um, someone in Urban Outfitters. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. But there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, no, I'm not doing myself that. a disservice. Like, they are a good present. Um, but they're sort of side swipes at popular culture. Um, so I've written one on um, hipsters, one on people you work with in an office, which... We'll talk about later when we talk about the uh, mining your life. Yeah. Um, one on God, I can't remember what I've written. One on festivals and um, one on being anti-Nordic, which is the one that's out this week that I bought for you. Thank um, you very much. So it's it's not it's not by any means kind of me churning out ninety thousand word um, books. They do take a lot of time and effort. You're not Agatha Christie, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I'm not Agatha Christie yet. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> You know, we'll work up to that. Yeah, we'll work up to that. And I think, um, certainly when I started out in magazines, I sort of started out in the early 2000s and I would see a lot of people who had been in magazines for a while getting book deals Mm. because at the time there was a lot of money in it and journalists would transition actually to author a lot more than they do now. So it seemed like something that was sort of an obvious... Yeah, an, an obvious, path. a sort of obvious path. Yeah, and I think also at that there was a, there was a lot more money in books now. And you know, I'm sure we both know some people who kind of got enormous, mm. you know, six figure book deals to yep. sort of write, um, 
if I mean, some people don't like the term chiclet. I don't think there's anything wrong with it personally. I think it's really snobby to go, oh, I hate chiclet, I loathe chiclet. Or I think that's why they're trying to rebrand it as women's fiction. Um, so lots mm. of kind of ex-mag editors and writers went went on to go and write women's fiction. And it was just, it was huge, I think, for about five years, nearly, mm. nearly every sort of new women's book that came out, so we'd be like, oh, so-and-so's got that, that's the one we know. Mm. And that has died off a bit, I think. I think that's not guaranteed now. You know, if you're... If you're a journalist, that definitely would have been an in five, six, seven years ago with mm. publishers. And, I, and I, I don't think it is as much now. I think they probably care more if you've got a huge social following. 100%. Mm. Well, you can see it. So, so it isn't an obvious transition. So how did you make it happen? You were writing the style section of Heat Weekly and not putting words in your mouth. But listeners, I can vouch for the fact that it might seem like a lovely cushy job and obviously there are lovely cushy things about it. But actually getting all those pages mm. to print on time and making sure that your content is different, varied and covers all of the things that it needs to cover from the magazine's perspective as well as the reader's perspective. It's a real juggling act and it takes a lot of work. So it's a completely different thing writing this book. Yeah, it was a completely different thing actually. And I am very undisciplined and... Um... When I wrote my first one, so a, a publisher approached me and they were looking for, um, in their words, a, a kind of funny person that could write about um, fashion and lifestyle trends. Um, and they had, I think they'd seen something that, that I'd written in Heat. Um, so I ended up doing a sample for them and then they offered me um, a couple of books with them. Um, a full-time job and getting that first book done was hard. Mm. And I am never one of those people that says something like, well, if you just do an hour here, you get up an hour earlier, that it works. But I, I made myself do an extra hour in my working day. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a lot of it at my at my desk at mm-hmm. at the time. So we started at half nine, so I'd either come in at half nine and finish at six, or I'd stay till seven. Mm-hmm. And I just pretended that was my working day, and that's how I got that done, mm-hmm. because I... I I just wouldn't have been able to fit it in otherwise. I mean, there was the odd, like, Sunday where I had to kind of, like, sit at my desk for 12 hours panicking. Um, (laughs) But mostly I did it an hour at a time, plodding along. So I've had this conversation with people on the podcast before is about what kind of um, pressure do you respond to? And I do call it pressure. I'm the sort of person where if you give me three weeks to write a feature... I will think about it on that first day and get really excited and then I won't actually do it until that deadline. For 12 more days. Yeah. Exactly. Breathing down my mm. neck. Are you able to be a bit better or is that you? No, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm an awful, awful, awful last minute person and I'm getting worse. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. So it's paying it's, off. Like you've hit all your deadlines and you've got books out. So it's um, not really, it's not serving my, you poorly. My book editor might not agree with you if he's listening to this because I keep handing things in a bit late. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm awful and I always have been. I remember at university the morning of having to hand things in because I went to university a million years ago and you still had to go right. and hand it in <laughs> yes. on paper yeah. I can remember sort of typing with one hand and blow drying my hair with the <laughs> other because I was so so and also it was I was obviously still really important to me to have blow dried hair I don't know why well not now with my filthy hair um <laughs> and yeah I'm, I'm still like that now you know if I if someone says oh um deadline's Friday I think well that's end of day Friday which is Monday yeah um always always push it which that's end of day Friday until at six o'clock you say oh my wi-fi's out <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> I'll send it from my retreat that I'm going on this yeah, weekend. I just won't be able to look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, I am terrible with deadlines. Mm. I would really like to be better. And I'm obsessed with reading sort of how other people do it. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And I know people have all these, like, apps on their laptops and stuff which block out the internet. Or there's this really popular one with writers called Scrivener. Yes. Um, and I just... That's not cheap. That was no, about 50 quid. I think I'm not doing that. Um, another friend of mine has got one where he... Um, he types and if you haven't reached a certain limit by 15 minutes it deletes everything you've done <laughs> i mean i said but i would just go xxxxx and he said he, i would just cut and paste a certain amount of words <laughs> it's i that wouldn't work for me but he said that's he's a novelist and he said that's what works for him yeah if that works for him, everyone's a different personality type but i always look for a way to cheat the system uh, yeah i mean it, it just sounds mad to me like what if you like really needed to go to the loo or the doorbell rang or well, also, we just have to talk about that. There have been two deliveries <laughs> since I've, since Joe's arrived at my house, and I made and each one like made a, a hash of my name. Obviously, even the guy who delivered the parcel addressed to Emma Guns, <laughs> which was about with two ends. And I went, "Oh, now do you see why I hate my name?" And Joe just looked at me and went, 
Really? <laughs> well, I, I quite like having a comedy name. When when I used to work at Heat, one of my favourite things was when people would ring up and they would be too embarrassed to say whore, and I would never help them. <laughs> so they'd be on the phone, they'd say, um, can I speak to Joe? Jahuare. <laughs> I, I just, I, I could totally have stepped in and I know, yeah, it's Horn. I'd just be going, who? Who? And I know it's mean, but, or, or some people would say, Joe Hare or Joe Ohoare. I think, what? Where you get that? Horn's not that uncommon a name. No, but I just, yeah, yeah I can understand so why. Did you get crap for it at school? Well, I actually didn't, and it was thanks to two girls who I, I really do wish them every success now because they got a lot of crap. There was one girl called Sarah Bottoms and one girl called Louisa Butt, and when you are when you are 9, 10 and 11, bottom and butt is a lot funnier than whore, um, especially in our kind of, you know, pre-Pornhub days where not everyone knew what, <laughs> what, what a whore was. Um, nowadays, the kids probably like know it from about five. Um, so everyone was like, oh, ha, 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 big butt, fat bottoms kind of thing rather than you whore. So I, I pretty lambs. much got away with it. So thanks to those two ladies yeah, no, I, for protecting I, me. Yeah, there were no comedy names in my school, but there was just the unpronounceable Sri Lankan name that everyone <laughs> made an absolute I don't think I still even know how to say your name. That's why I just call me Immigrants. Immigrants, yeah. MG. I, yeah, although, although yeah, it's it's because that's just become my sort of nickname, MG mm. or Immigrants, and so I just think it's just easier than spelling yeah, it's out easy. it's my surname. Back to books. Right. You, um... You did a course, so let's dig into that situation. So after writing these kind of um, comedy books, which was a very... Which wasn't entirely dissimilar from my style at at Heat. Um, You know, Heat was always like a bit kind of tongue-in-cheek, sort of piss-takey, but not not in a mean way. Um, Mm -hmm. So that style lent itself quite easily to the, the comedy books. Um, I when I left Heat, I thought I just want to see if I can do something else. Like I am, you know, I'm confident. I'm a pretty good writer some of the time, um, but can I write something other than jokes mm-hmm. and um, you know things about fashion and beauty? And I really wanted to write um, a fiction book, and I'd had this idea knocking around in my head for a little while, um, which is actually based on a beauty trip. Um, us talking about that Rio trip mm-hmm. earlier. It was a, a another trip with the same company and we went to Mustique which is um I didn't go on that which, one <laughs> which was pretty, pretty special um and if you don't know what Mustique is I'm really surprised by how many people don't know what Mustique is but I suppose it's a perfume isn't it <laughs> it's a perfume um I suppose not everyone maybe had to be so obsessed with the Middletons as as we were um, oh is that where they holiday yeah it's a it's the I think they have a villa there or something um and so Mustique's private island in the Caribbean, which uh, Brian Adams has a private beach there, and Mick Jagger had a house there. Princess Margaret used to go there all the time and do all manner of things, apparently. Um, and I went there, and I just thought, God, this place is so weird. I thought, A, I think everyone's definitely swingers. Um, and B, the staff were just... They sort of had this like almost extrasensory sense that you would talk about something you wanted I remember one night we'd all been out and we were we came home we were a bit drunk very drunk everyone jumped in the pool it was a white party in all their white clothes mm. um and someone said oh god when I'm drunk at home I always have Marmite toast and we turned around and there was a plate of Marmite toast like I don't think we'd even seen anyone bring it up and we're like is we dreaming this is really weird or you would go in the shower and your clothes that you'd left in your bedroom by the time you'd come out the shower and you'd done your hair and whatever your clothes would be ironed, cleaned, folded and put back on your bed. They say no one leaves Mustique with um, dirty clothes. And the, the whole... I just thought, God, the staff would do anything for you here. Like, I could probably murder someone and they'd help me. And then that was my idea for a book. That was what percolated on the plane yeah. home. and I kind of thought... Oh. Under your eye mask. Yeah, under my <laughs> eye mask. Don't talk to me, I've got my eye mask. Jo likes to sleep on flights. If you oh, ever I do like to sleep on a flight. Yeah, it's so lovely. I love flights. Where else can you just press a button and anyone brings you anything you want? Oh. Well, when you're in a certain cabin. Well, no, I think you can you can get a drink in economy <laughs> between the hours of take up. Well, yeah. Anyway, we digress. So you had the fiction idea. How did you set about? So I, as as we said, I know as we've said, I'm hugely undisciplined, um, and I have been worse since I'm freelance. So I thought I I need what is going to give me a bit of a kick up the arse. And I, I did a bit of research into kind of looking at going, going almost going back to uni um, because I I actually 
I did an English literature master's and I did think about doing a PhD and then I sort of thought, got to starting to think about it and thought, oh my God, this would be boring as hell and no one will ever read it. Um, so I gave up on that idea. Um, but I did some research and I found this thing called the Faber Academy and I'm quite sceptical about sort of courses quite often. I remember when, whenever we used to look for interns at HEAT, we would have these people come in and I would just think they're being absolutely ripped off because they'd be doing these things that sort of the you know, the University of Fashion and Marketing or something. And they'd be doing these mad courses that were costing them about 20 grand a year. Yikes. And they were just bullshit. They were just made up. Mm. It, it would literally be like, oh, but I've done fashion journalism with um, a beauty side module. And I think, God, you would have been better off, like, doing an internship for six months. Going and working at a newspaper yeah, for and it, a week. And, it, and I feel so sorry for people who were sort of, like, pouring their dreams and a considerable amount of money into doing these, like, nonsense courses. Um, that I was really didn't want to fall prey to that mm. myself. But found this thing called the Faber Academy, met a few journalists that had done it, um, and it's had all these, like, huge success stories, like, um, you know, S.J. Watson that wrote Before I Go to Sleep. Mm-hmm. He did it. Um, Chloe Esposito, who wrote Mad, which was everywhere this summer, did it. Um, Emma Flint, who does Little Deaths. Um, I think they've had something like 70 books published in 10 years or something. Oh, okay, that's impressive. Um, so I decided to apply for that, and I actually thought, oh, I applied on the deadline, I thought I'm not going to get in, onto it, like it's really, really competitive and stuff. And I was very lucky I did get onto it, and I think, for me, it was a bit like um, going to Weight Watchers or something like that, mm-hmm. that you have to go every week, and mm-hmm. if you haven't done anything... You're sh- you, they wouldn't shame you, but you would be ashamed mm. sloping in. You know, everyone else has written 20,000 words and you've written four, um, <laughs> which did happen. Um, With and, two of those, your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, three, John Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that, that kind of kick-started me thinking in a, in a different way mm. um, and, and definitely taught me some things that maybe I thought I knew, some things that I definitely didn't know. Um, and sort of turn my brain around in a way that is, you know, you don't have to look for the joke every time. You know, my writing previously has been very comedic. Um, mm. And that that was that was the hardest thing for me. Like, not every paragraph has to have three jokes in them. <laughs> um, so that's very difficult. Although your Facebook statuses are a thing of legend. <laughs> I would remember going to the same sort of event as you. Well, not the same sort of event, the same event as you, <laughs> and having thoughts and feelings on the way home, and then turning on Facebook, and you would have articulated them. <laughs> I think I need to be a bit more careful about that. <laughs> and I did think sometimes, oh, I wouldn't have the balls to write that, but, um, but yeah, so that, that's quite a lot of retraining, your kind of, especially when you've been on a title for a really long time. I remember when I first started freelancing, people sort of saying, we need to beat the okay out of mm. you, we need to beat this style of writing out of you, and I look back now and think, actually, you don't, because that's a skill in it. It's not yeah. a bad skill. No, it is, and there's a and there's a market. There's a market for it. I mean, when I first went freelance, I thought, oh god, you know, my stuff is too silly. Um, it's not highbrow enough. But sure, people like silly, mm. and silly doesn't mean it's not intelligent or well written or captivating. It's just you know. You know, I'm probably never going to write for, I don't know, The Lancet. But um, <laughs> people like to be entertained, so we shouldn't feel we have to have that beaten out of us, I don't think. But I know what you mean, because yeah. I think it often. Or sometimes, if, if someone if someone slightly more highbrow has asked me to write for them, I do sort of curb it a bit and think, oh, God, I used to... And I think, well, they wouldn't have asked me if they didn't want a bit of silly. Do you do this? Because I definitely do this. If somebody asks me to write for them, and it's... Um, uh, uh, either an editor or a magazine that I perceive as being sort of, you know... Swanky. Smart. <laughs> smart. I end up writing in my phone voice. <laughs> yes! No, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then I sort of read it back to myself. I'm like, well, that sounds jolly good. Well done. <laughs> yeah, jolly good. And I use, um, yeah, I use a vocabulary that I wouldn't normally mm. use because I think, no, I need to... I need to, yeah, upgrade myself. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that's really, really easy to do. And I, yeah, I definitely do that. And, but then I do, I look at it now and I try and go back and think, come on, put a bit more of yourself in that because they wouldn't have asked you if they didn't want some of yeah. it. And it's... It, I think it, when I try to do it, it sounds a bit fake. Um, also, when I, you know, I sometimes um, we learn a lot of writers, so my social media will often be full of people on a Sunday saying, oh, so-and-so's piece in such and such mm. a decent newspaper is the best thing I've ever read. 
And I think, oh, I'll go out and buy it then. And um, I read it and I think, oh, this is a bit like Shakespeare. I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm gonna need some help with mm. this. I have to read it a couple of times. I'm a bit of a basic bitch. It's really easy to feel intimidated by things like that Mm. as well. And you think, well, people put important, must read. And Mm, you're like, oh, God, I read it and didn't really get anything out of it. Because I I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know what this meant. Um, It's just horses for courses, isn't it? It is horses for courses. So do you feel now that you've found your voice? Do you feel like doing the course, writing these books... Do you feel like in writing the fiction book, which I know is still a work in progress, mm. do you feel that you've you've hit a groove that feels more Joe and Elizabeth Hall? Fancy. Uh, yes, definitely. I think I think I didn't in in the heat heyday. I felt that I I I was absolutely true to my voice, and mm. I was very lucky that I was working somewhere that was exactly how I wanted to write. Mm. Um, it matched my kind of tone and humour and stuff, so I... I that was part of the sorry to interrupt, but that's part of the success of Heat, I think. Because I mean, uh, in Heat's heyday, you mm. could not touch it. No, and I the thing I always remember about um, we used to have this big um, picture up on the door, and it was this big quote from Christian Guru Murphy, <laughs> and um, which is and no, it was about Heat, and he had been asked what media he read. Well, yeah, it was read back then because this was kind of like pre-smartphone um, and stuff and he had said like oh you know I read The Economist blah blah and he said and I read Heat every week and he said and the reason I like Heat he said because um, a DVD review on page 95 is as funny as um, a celebrity interview on page 5 whatever and he said every single word so it was I mean I'm paraphrasing Christian if you're listening but <laughs> it was something like that and and, and I thought that was I felt really proud to work somewhere where every everything was funny and had tone and mm. um, yeah. People. And as a competitor, as well, no, as somebody who was on a competitive title, should mm. we say, I definitely used to read it and think I really envy the fact that there's that it feel it felt like freedom. Mm. Yeah. Whereas obviously I would write about. Yeah, we were hardly <laughs> we were hardly curtailed at all. I mean, maybe we should have probably been a bit more. Um, yeah, we did have a lot of freedom. You know, if you had an opinion and you wanted to write something, as long as you weren't, you know, going to cost them £100,000 in lawyer's fees, <laughs> put it in, um, yeah. which couldn't couldn't, and probably wouldn't happen now. Um, but it was a very, very cool place to work at the time to be mm. able to do that. Um, it's very, like, freeing to sort of find your voice somewhere like that. So I'll always be very grateful to Heat. Can we talk about one of the characters in your fiction novel? Um, yes, we can. Um, because she's a very she popular is. guest on this podcast. <laughs> Well, she's not in it. Is there is some? <laughs> has one of your characters been inspired? Yes, and she knows about it. So she's um, so proud. So Lady Bagshot. Um, well, I haven't decided if she's going to be a lady yet or not because there's another uh, royal person. I don't want it to look too like royal tastic. So she might just have to be a commoner. I haven't broken this to her yet. Oh, is um, loose? Well, no, tightly based on <laughs> um, the lovely Nadine Baggins. <laughs> so if you had to describe. Mrs. Bagshot. Um, <laughs> I think she's definitely a moose. Mm. Um, well, she is, for want of a better term, a sort of very high-level madam, I mm-hmm. suppose. She um, she runs a business which um, organises um, seasonal pop-up sex parties at <laughs> very high-end um, international places. So um, and one of these is Mustique. She pops over to Mustique for a month a year, um, organises a month of, of jollies and um, buggers off back home and then, you know, maybe she goes to <laughs> some other exotic locations. I've got um, some wonderful suggestions for um, catchphrases for Ms Bugshaw. Oh, please. Which I will share with you because, well, I was telling this to Caroline Hirons last night on the phone. Um, the, the thing that Nadine texts me the most is main grid bitch. Main grid bitch. <laughs> if I send her a picture of something and she likes it, instead of saying, what's a really nice picture, she yeah, put it on main, main grid. She just goes, main grid bitch. Don't be wasting that on stories. Yeah. No, I did exactly that happened yesterday. I had a blow dry and I did a boomerang on stra- strawberries. Strawberries. Did a boomerang on stories and she just literally within five seconds, main grid bitch. I'm awful with stories. I tend to only do them when I'm away somewhere and then I'm worried that I look like a smug bitch and then like and then but then my day-to-day life is far too boring no one wants to see my like dirty kitchen table so <laughs> but you did put that up no yeah I did I did actually yeah. it's like come on let's put that up um but yeah I'm not very good with stories I need to get better at it well it's just even on a budget 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's all, it's all such false reality. False reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some, some of this has been created for your entertainment. Yeah. Oh, that's a great disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. That's a great Instagram yeah. profile, isn't it? Like the beginning of Tower. Some of this has been created for your entertainment. <laughs> yeah the tans are real <laughs> yeah oh god are you into real housewives um i'm not oh, no but you know i did get into recently the british one with um cheshire. cheshire yeah oh yeah oh my god did you see the um last episode the reunion but paul brown dowling he was like a referee i was like who are these women i'm sorry but i was quite cross with brian dowling for not getting more into it let them have a scrap don't keep throwing like, to a montage it's like oh you need to watch the atlanta one and then you'll see a real i don't reunion. know I, I, feel, I don't feel a connection sometimes with american reality tv stars i do know what you mean i do know what you mean i think as well the listeners will probably agree it might derail your productivity in writing the fiction book which we obviously all want to come out in 2018 <laughs> <laughs> hurry up you lazy cow how well, far can you say how much of the way you are through it um i am less than half but I have, I've just, I had another um, of my comedy books, which I handed in last week, which I kept, I kept blaming that, going, oh, I need to write my last comedy book. When you say less than half, how many words should a book be? Is um, there a, like, do they say, roughly? Well, yeah, I think, like, 80,000 to 120 is about average, unless you're writing a novella, which um, people don't really do because no one really wants to buy them because it's full price for a... Half, half of a book. <laughs> Good, let's be honest. Um, no, people do write fantastic novellas. I'm sure. Half Darkness novella. Um, mm. Yes. Yeah, so I am. I am kind of less than half. Um, and I keep saying this is going to be my writing month. This is going to be the month where I do mm. no paid work, and then the roof needs fixing or something. <laughs> I think I might do a bit of paid work. Yes. Yeah. So. It's a tricky balance to put out. I would say this podcast fits mm. in that territory and there are there have been weeks where I've been like, I've got to get a podcast out, but I've got to get paid. Yeah, that's, it's really, really difficult when you're trying to do something new that you kind of think, well, if X, Y and Z happens, I, I will be making money from this. So I should be investing in, mm-hmm. it's kind of investing in your future almost, isn't it? But then you think, but also I need to go somewhere that's going to, you know, I need I need that hitting my account next week, yeah. not in two years. So it's, it's balancing the keeping the money coming in but also mm. the speculate to accumulate yeah. situation and that was quite a sort of mind shift for me as well because I have found myself since trying to write this book taking on some things that I um maybe would have done l- things that weren't as well paid but were far more fun so I, I was offered a, a contract recently that would have been super fun the money wasn't very good and then at the same time I was offered something else which was not as much fun, but and I thought I've I've just got to do it. And previously, mm. I wouldn't have. Not saying oh, I can afford to throw money away, but I would have thought that that sacrifice mm-hmm. was one I'd be happy to make. But now you've got to balance it. You know, the money needs to come in if you want to be doing these kind of you know creative, freeing yourself up things that are setting you up for the future. How do you? Because I think it all comes down to diversifying. Mm. When we were in our heyday, and I think we definitely enjoyed a beautiful time in journalism. Oh God, yeah, which. I think we were like, I mean, I think we slightly missed that kind of mad 90s hedonism of of hearing those stories about, you know, bags of cocaine being delivered to the (laughs) offices and and whatnot. Um, I never heard those stories. (laughs) But the, yeah, absolutely the heyday for, you know, I mean, I think at one point he was selling like 800,000 copies Mm. a week and we could you could kind of be putting you know we put anything on the pages and it was a it was such a fun mm. fun place to be um so to go from that heyday 
it's very difficult. And I feel like there are those of us who have been like, right, okay, so the situation's changed. So we can either try to stay relevant in print and essentially write a lot more for the same amount of money. Yeah. Or you can try other avenues. You've got your books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other things that you do. But do you think that having those other channels is now just completely essential? I think you have to. And everyone I speak to, you know, whenever I go to um, journalist events, everyone is... is. I mean, it's a negative thing to call it Plan B, but everyone is talking about mm-hmm. their, what, what's their other route. You know, do they want to work more with brands? Would they like to launch a brand themselves? Do they want to write... You know, I have, I have so many journalists, like, even some I don't know very well, message me on, on Facebook or something asking about books, and mm-hmm. people are definitely looking for... You just need another strand, I think, really. I think it's very difficult to make to make money purely from journalism right now mm. to make decent yeah. money unless you're a superstar columnist or, yes as we were talking before we it's started a small recording. percentage yeah. of people i and think that... unless you have a speciality as well yeah i mean of course there are people that are fantastic writers and do you know deservedly make make loads of money mm. but the majority of of you know 90 percent of people i think are sort of looking for another strand to their bow i think it's just absolutely crucial you have to but I, th- I think also, and I've had this conversation with guests before, and I know listeners have talked about it, is having that confidence. Because if you're in your groove, as it were, it can feel like books are something that other people write yeah. or podcasting is something that other people do. So do you have any advice for kind of having the confidence to push forward? I think sometimes it just takes one person um, or you know one publication or, or one structure of industry or something to bleed new because I had that when I left Heat I kind of thought what have I done um that's all I've really known you know Heat was my first journalist job Mm. um and um Glamour commissioned me for something kind of I I got in touch out of nowhere and I remember having this real sort of like thank god Mm. like if and if if they want me I hope other people will want me. Yeah, all is not lost. Yeah, and I kind of thought, oh, actually, do you know, I would... And I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to approach a magazine like Glamour. I would have thought, oh, I'm Weeklies, oh, I'm Celebrity, Mm. oh, I'm, you know, um, a little bit lowbrow. So for that, that was a real... And after then, I thought, well, no, maybe I can do this. Did Um, you have that when you were here? Did you have some... Did you feel any snobbery? um, Not... I actually never felt it from the industry um but i know other people have said they have mm. um maybe i'm just a bit of a blunderbuss that doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really notice and sort of thinks so well, i just charge up to people and talk to them um but from people outside the industry i always remember going to a party and um someone introduced me to a friend of friend and this woman said to me what do you do i work at heat and she goes oh god i hate heat it's disgusting and i said well what do you do and she said oh i I can't remember what it was, something boring for British Tax gas. Yeah. And I said, well, I said, I don't really like your tariffs, but I'm not banging on about it. Like, because it's the same, isn't it? And it's really difficult when you do something that's in the public like domain, people can read what you write, we can go, it's really easy to get all your trash. Mm. And I think, well, how rude. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go up to you and say, Oh god, oh, you work for this shop, yeah, shit jumpers. You know. <laughs> I don't really like your tariffs. Yeah, that's what I said. And she was like, mm, you're weird. Um but yeah, that kind of thing or or I sort of had people going, Oh, don't you think you know, why why do you work at Heat when you um you know when you went to uni? And I'd be like, everyone in the office went to university, mm. like People are really smart. Like, just because they're not writing about, you know, astrophysics doesn't mean we're not smart. I know. It's a weird one, isn't it? Mm, there's st- but I do still get that that snobbery a lot as well. When, In fact, when I started this this Faber course, a lot of people on the course were writing very serious books. Um, and the, a few of them were a little bit sort of snobby with me. And then I think we... I think something I don't know I'd one of them was quite rude to me and I'd, I'd sort of turn around and I said well I've, I've got a master's in 20th century literature like I could write that book but mm. I want to write this book and she was like oh okay <laughs> quite surprised um but that's confidence as well isn't it and I probably wouldn't have done that a year two years ago um I would have just sort of thought oh yeah well you know I'm heat is my box mm. and I should get back in it um, you're good at that though you're good at in the moment because we've had a couple of conversations offline listeners and you've been saying things to me and I have been noting, God, you've got balls in the loveliest way because the situation you described, sort of speaking up for yourself in a mm. moment where maybe someone was trying to get the upper hand or trying to get the better of you, you do sort of stick 
firm. I, I mean, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Like, sometimes, like, a really small thing could really, like, knock me and I would just stay quiet. But then so, mm. when I when it's really... I do pick my battles. When it's really important, I think, hang on a minute. Mm. No, I'm not having this. Yeah. Um, or I think if I know I can win. If I already think, well, I've already worked out that, like, that route over there is probably going to happen, so I'm going to... I'm going to stand up for this. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I just lose my temper. So <laughs> that, that's the problem as well. Like... Yeah, I think it's good to have a temper. I, 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 um, I think it's a useful thing to have to to be able to call on a temper. I've always um, uh, suppressed mine, suffocated it, and then just gone into a quiet strop mm. where I just don't speak to anyone and have a a cob on. And now I'm learning that I need to tap into my temper because it could I be think more. It's, I think it's good for you, and I much prefer to have. You know, my temper is gone, and then I've forgotten about it ten minutes later. Um, yeah, but if you hang on to it and you're like, oh, shit, yeah. I wish I said that. And then this. it starts affecting you and you think, well, no, it's them that's a dick, not me. So, <laughs> like, get it out. You should write a piece for a magazine on confidence. <laughs> well, no, but then sometimes I really, really struggle with it. Like, I hate public speaking. Um, I There's loads of things I hate doing, like walking into a room full of people I don't know. I really wouldn't enjoy that. Um, but I think I think this comes down to lots of conversations I've had recently. It's not linear. Like, you can be confident in one situation. Mm. doesn't mean you're going to be confident in no, another. No, definitely. And I think people sometimes are quite surprised that there are some things that I wouldn't be confident mm. about because I am reasonably confident day-to-day. Mm. Um, or don't mind giving someone a bollocking or whatever. <laughs> but speaking about writing, we've talked about mining your life for features because... The in, one of the changes in journalism has been first person pieces. Well, this confessional is it's everything, isn't it? And it's what people want. And actually, I was talking to a very established journal- journalist yesterday at an event, and we were talking about how journalism has changed and how it used to be about being objective and mm. offering the facts from all the all the relevant angles and almost leaving the reader to make to a make decision. Their, yeah, and how now it's. I, 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 and there's this element of blog tone coming into mm. really established big magazines. So um, I wondered if, when you are a jobbing journalist and you're thinking, I really need to make rent, how tempting it is to start mining your life and how you feel about I, that. I have done a little bit of that. And actually, I it hasn't really been for financial. The, the, some of the very personal pieces I've written... And it is such a cliche to say, but it is cathartic and I have felt so much better afterwards. Mm. So I did a thing recently about um, a broken engagement and I really thought about whether or not to do it. And I kind of thought, I don't really... There were some things in there that I hadn't maybe even sort of told my family about how I felt afterwards. Mm. And I thought, and I really undernarred about it. But the commissioning editor is a really good friend of mine. I had full copy approval. I knew Mm. that they'd let me write exactly how I was. And I felt really fantastic afterwards. And what's really nice, as well as I had quite a few people that were either had had broken engagements or maybe were going through divorces or big splits got in touch with me. And like, it sounds cheesy, like, thank you for writing that. Like, mm. it made me feel better. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was very pleased I did that. I have been asked to do some other things which I have said no to, which I feel are too personal, or if they're more about other people, you yes. know, you don't really have the right to necessarily write about other people and I I have I have fallen foul of that once I wrote what I thought was quite a funny piece on um, how I'm a terrible wedding guest because I am just a terrible wedding guest. I, is that because you're a terrible drunk? Um, it's, yeah, it, uh, yes, yes. Mainly it is a By terrible By the way, I say drunk. this is the woman who at the last wedding I went to was um, took myself off under a table to have a snooze and my parting words before I disappeared under the tablecloth were someone bring me some cheese in 15 minutes well I mean I think that's very considerate I wish I was that considerate my worst one is I was at this wedding and um I was bored as hell like I'd gone there with an ex-boyfriend we didn't really like each other anymore I don't know why we'd gone to this wedding together it's a really posh wedding you know sort of one where you don't even really know the groom's name because he's called something like poo face <laughs> and um oh it was like rowing themed and oh it was just a nightmare from start to finish and they'd done this thing that they obviously thought was quite cute of not sitting you with anyone you know oh that um so I was, just oh, I was sitting there everyone was awful and I drank two <laughs> bottles of white wine and I had a I had a row with someone on the table um and I was just sitting there just and I couldn't eat and I was too pissed and then the band went off for a break and um I could hear the music still carrying on in the background and I thought 
This feels like an imitation to me. <laughs> so I crawled up. I didn't use the stairs. I crawled. It was also a super posh wedding, so I had a full-length navy ball gown on. Um, a bit like sort of a seal getting out of a swimming pool. I got up <laughs> on the stage, and they were playing um, like a, just a music-only version of Aha, Take On Me. So I decided oh to get God. up and do the vocals. Um, and I got all the way through because everyone <laughs> was just standing there looking aghast. And I also, I started to sober up about a minute into it. And But in my mind, I kind of thought, it's going to be more embarrassing to stop. I'm just going <laughs> to carry on. So I just carried on doing it. And then at the end, I told everyone that I fancied the bride's dad because I thought he looked like Nigel Havers, which, I mean... <laughs> I don't fancy Nigel Havers anyway. So no, he's an attractive man. Let's not put Nigel Havers down, Joe. I think so. Okay. I'll Google it afterwards. Um, so that was... But there, I'd written another one about how I'd gone to um, a family wedding. Wait, I'm sorry. I just have to ask you a question about the aha solo. There's quite a lengthy instrumental bit in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I've just stood there, gripping onto the microphone, like, so, so tightly, and just looking at everyone, and I could see my ex-boyfriend going, get off! And I was just like this. Nuh-uh. Did you think that was a request for a Prince song? <laughs> oh, God, imagine if it's like that. I might have done some moves. Oh, it doesn't you and I should go to a wedding. I've, I've um, decided never to go to a wedding again, as a, as a single girl, because... Um, the last wedding I went to, despite the fact that I RSVP'd, um, when I arrived, I wasn't on the table plan. <laughs> That's why you had to get under it. No, no, this was a different wedding. Okay. Sorry, that was the last wedding I went to. It, there was, and um, when I discreetly flagged it up to the brother of the bride, I was like, oh, I appear I not to be on the I floor plan. I don't have any dinner. <laughs> the way that the situation was dealt with was by the bride loudly addressing me in the middle of the room, in front of everybody, pre-lunch, saying... I've left you voicemails, I've sent you messages, I didn't get your um, RSVP. Well, you haven't messaged me, so this is embarrassing yes. for you, but actually more for me in this moment. I'm going to have to sort of stand at the corner so like I'm like here. absolute twat, I stayed. <laughs> oh, did you get a dinner? Yeah, I ate oh, the food and then I left off. Phew, yeah. But I was, I mean, I was just like, never. we've never spoken since. I'm not surprised. Not even a thank you for coming. Thank you for driving for three hours. Rude. Yeah. V rude. rude. Yeah. No, I, but I think that now, if I ever get invited to running again, I think we should go together. Oh my god! Because I did that at our, you know, Evie Leatham. Mm. And Evie Leatham's wedding, I kept eyeing up the stage, just thinking, God, God, it's going for a so break. So tempting, isn't it? So tempting. It's very tempting. You yes. have to come to Forty Days of Forty karaoke when we do it. Oh yes, absolutely. I won't do a heart. No. Well, mm. um, I quite, I do quite like a Celine for karaoke. Um, or I, or what I really, my ultimate favourite is if I have a partner to sing with me. Is um, I know him so well from chess. Oh wow! Yeah, Barbara and Elaine. So you can sing? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara and Elaine. Me and my friend Martin absolutely loved that. He has to be Barbara because he's Scottish, um, <laughs> and I'm always Elaine, and I love it. Okay, well, we're definitely doing karaoke together yes, soon. Keep your eyes peeled to Insta stories, <laughs> Um Yes, let's go back. You said that you were going to write some other things about your yes. personal life. So I ha- and, and I might sneeze discreetly away from the microphone. So some of those, I think you, you do have to say no to. Yeah, so sorry, the, on to the wedding one. I made a very small remark about being at a family wedding and um, the groom kind of making a bit of a naff speech and like... I think I was I was on some really strong antibiotics and I was drunk and I like fell off my chair because I was laughing and I thought that he wouldn't pick up on that and he mm. actually messaged me and he wasn't pissed off or anything but I thought oh god like you forget people sometimes I think you write something and you're like mm, it's gone it's out there and you forget that actually people are going to read that and um, although that was a very small throwaway thing to me mm. I did realise afterwards I was like oh god that's probably the best day of your life and I've just taken the piss out of it in a national magazine <laughs> um, but he was cool with it but. I think there, yeah, there are some more personal things that, um, I don't know. I think it depends where you are in your life at that Mm. time. Um, I agree with you. I think if it involves anyone else and you will expose a part of their life and you haven't, mm. um, asked for permission or anything like that, then I think one has to be quite guarded. Mm. But if you can tell a story from your perspective that might be useful to a reader, because that's the point, isn't it? To be useful, to put to be out useful. content. And getting it off your chest and written it da- writing it down mm. does often make you feel better, I think. Mm. It, it is cathartic. As, as naff and cliche a word as cathartic is, it, it definitely did. The, some of the pieces that, are, that I've written about sort of relationships and things like that have definitely made me feel better afterwards. And exactly the same as you, like, I read it and I think, oh, 
she's a similar age to me. She's a similar woman to me. She's had mm. similar thing. Oh, I don't feel so crap about the fact that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I guess as well, you were talking about the one about the broken engagement. And we'll put the link to that. Who was that for? Uh, Grazia. Oh, yes, of course. Is, do you know if it's online? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, listeners, I'm going to be putting the link to that in the show notes so that you can just click on that and read it. Show notes are on emmaguns.com and iTunes, of course. Um, did, you, did you ever think beyond the publish? Did you ever think about the feedback? Um, I No, I didn't really. But what was really nice is that, that actually they sent on to me some letters that um, some readers had written in. They said they did have quite a lot of, of letters from people sort of saying, God, people never talk about it. Um, it's, it's, you know, we talk about divorce and things like that. But something something like, for example, a broken engagement isn't really talked about. And I remember seeing you and doing that awful thing of seeing you going, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) and you being like, no, 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 no. I felt really bad for you because I thought that's not the first time that it's happened and it's not going to be the last time in the sense of, being yeah, someone who you're saw explaining you a lot, yourself, yeah. I knew I knew that it was coming up. Mm. So when I saw you, I thought, oh, have you got yeah. married yet? And it's like, oh no, shit. Yeah. Whoops. Um so that must have been, as you say, working through it with the piece. Did that kind of I mean the the piece I I wrote most recently is is a long time after. So it's mm. a it was a sort of it, um it was actually about selling your engagement ring, <laughs> which, um, and so this is years down mm. the line, and it really did feel like a sort of closed chapter catharsis. And I did, I did write a piece nearer to it, which I did do anonymously because mm. I didn't have the confidence at the time to sort of put myself out there. I was a lot younger, yeah, um, and but I felt I felt better for writing it, just getting it down. But but then, as you say, yeah, maybe it is quite nice just to write something. Then people know. Maybe you, you don't really want to put these negative things as your Facebook status, like that, do you? But you also don't want to have to explain to every single person that you see. Um, and I had a lot of people say that to me, people that have had sort of different other things happen, you know, something that hasn't quite gone gone right, you know, whether it was in a relationship or trying for a baby or, mm. or something like that. And, and, and people are well-meaning. People want to come up to you and go, oh, how fantastic. And you're like... No, <laughs> you know, or you think you've got a job and you haven't got it, or yeah. you know. So it's, it's a, it's a really. I can see why people want to write these pieces. It's a, it's like sending out a newsletter, isn't it? Like one of those naff ones at Christmas. Where, <laughs> this is what we've done this year, <laughs> just on a sort of national scale. Yeah, I find it very difficult the boundaries thing. There are mm. definitely things that I want to write about, but then I guess I do it on this podcast. So yeah, and I think it's probably. And, and you have full control on mm. this podcast. So, you know, if you listen to it back and think, oh, God, that person's going to know I'm talking about them and or that's going to be, that's going to affect my family or... Because yeah. I remember uh, when I first went freelance, we were writing a piece for a magazine about having um, uh, uh, hirsutism, hirsute pursuits, being, um, you know, having facial hair, mm. having body hair. And I wrote it. And it, when you were young and you hit puberty and you've got a moustache and a bit of a beard and some sideburns as a woman it's not the norm so you Mm. do feel all of these things but they definitely after the fact there was definitely this push to try and see if there had been a barrier between my body hair Mm. and my sexual experiences yeah and I really didn't want to go there Mm. But it was a bit like, oh, you know, the, you know, in order for the... And people, people want, uh, you know, people, we were in that, that business for a very long time. People, even at more high brow they want a salacious headline, don't mm. they? Um, I remember when I, when I wrote a thing about the broken engagement, um, this was for another magazine and I did it a long time ago. They wanted a headline, I burnt my wedding dress. And I actually pulled the piece, I said, I'm not writing this for you because... I didn't, and we're yeah. not having that. Oh, but can we have something dramatic like that? And I was like, but I'm selling like it's dramatic <laughs> enough. Yeah, this is not. This is not. So people always. I think people will often want to push. You know, you know. I, I didn't have sex until I was 51 because <laughs> my bikini line was out of control. You know, because I've never thought about waxing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so I think people kind of want to. That that can be another problem with this kind of confessional that people want want it to be quite salacious. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had full control over it because, as you say, it was very useful. Mm. It would be wrong of me to have you on the podcast and not get you to share some sort of salacious anecdote about your time at Heat <laughs> that you can share. Oh, yeah. Well, I, well, I kind of think I don't really care now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, a, big, a big one thing I didn't like about Heat, and this sounds absolutely ridiculous because it was celebrity magazines, I just never liked celebrities. Um, and <laughs> Preach, hallelujah. Yeah, and I was like, 
I just I just couldn't I couldn't be doing with it and um I remember going to interview this girl band once and um the one of the girls was so incredibly rude to me that I I and this I'm just going to sound like all I do is like cause a tantrum and I would never normally do this and I I did actually say to the PR I think we're just gonna have to stop this because we were not gonna have to print any of this yeah and it was it was a really it was like a really cute feature it, I think it was it was about holidays and it was like who's your favourite person to go on holiday with? And when I said that, she said to me, use your fucking imagination. <laughs> and so it's like... Okay. And I literally just said, well, that, that's cool. Oh, like, my God. Maybe maybe we can't do this because I can't print that. And everything, oh I, where'd you like to go? Don't know. And I was like, oh, my God. And then she said to me, can you get me some food? I said, well, I don't know because I don't work here. <laughs> like, yeah, she was pretty rude. And then another one from another band, which had boys and girls in it, um, was in, was incredibly rude to me. And actually, I um, I got my own back on her because she only wanted a certain brand of water. And we were at a studio in the middle of nowhere. And she kept going on about not wanting this water. And I found a bottle of the brand of water she did want in the bin. Put tap water and put tap water in it. But it was also quite at the bottom of the bin. <laughs> and I was, And then every time she was sipping from it, I was feeling really satisfied. So she was mean another woman pop star I feel, I feel like a woman basher but the women were or the mean ones or maybe we just interviewed more oh, women oh so you do interview more women more women um, shut my head in um, a door yeah because she wanted she wanted to wear this outfit and um, <laughs> I said she couldn't wear it because we could see her nipples through it mm-hmm. and um, she shut my head in the door um, I had another one <laughs> I had another one where um, uh, this woman um, she we were shooting her and she sort of threw a bit of a tantrum halfway through because um, she wanted someone to go and buy her some um, always ultra towels. <laughs> and, um, For international listeners, and the, listeners, they are sanitary towels. Sanitary towels. And we were in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> we were like, shit, like, you know, obviously you feel bad for someone if they're, if they're caught out. But we had, there was a room full of women as well and we all proffered what sanitary protection we had. <laughs> and her publicist came out and said, X doesn't do tampons, someone needs to go and get the always. And we had to send this poor photographer's assistant out who's like this 17-year-old boy. And he was just like, um, um, okay, okay. And he had to go, I think like the nearest boots are about five miles away. And he came back with like armfuls and armfuls of like, like I don't everything the from like these tenor pants that were kind of, you know, absorb an ocean to these tiny weeny like baby tampons. And I just thought... Oh God! Like, yeah, but and she literally went through like going. Well, that hasn't got wings. That hasn't got that. <laughs> who, who knew you could be so specific about you know? If you're caught short, you're caught short. I yeah. thought you were going to say you fashioned something out of some oh, A4 paper and a bit of blue done, Yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, that was a good idea. Bit of for next time. Yeah. <laughs> there, hopefully, there will <laughs> yeah. never ever be a shout next at me because I don't have the particular always ultras. So that is. I mean, there's some behaviour, but that's pretty rich. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people have their favourites, I'm sure. But you also used to do, which was, you could do a takedown. You didn't have to be constantly nice about the people. Like, if people were dicks on shoots, he used to do the takedowns and say they were dicks. Yeah, like, um, um, I remember a good friend of mine, Jen, she did Justin Bieber, and... He was just such an arsehole to her <laughs> that they basically sort of did... Um, I, I mean, it's quite popular to do it now, and I think um, it was less less common then. Mm. Just a sort of minute by minute, mm. you know, 10.01, he tells me to F off. <laughs> like, 10.02, he sends me out to get him some what's-its or whatever, you know. <laughs> 10.03, he makes the hairdresser cry. Um, that kind of thing. And I think I quite like reading those takedowns. I must admit, I do. I, I had I've had to stop watching certain TV shows because there were. I was talking to another journalist about this on email the other day about the people who we would see on TV who were lovely and sweet and kind and everyone loves them, nation, nation sweetheart. But you know that they've got a hundred percent success rate of making people cry on shoots. I mean, like, it, no. it is it is difficult, isn't it? Because I think. It's a bit like that thing we were saying earlier about, you know, saying to someone, I don't moan about your shit tariffs. They could have had a really, really shitty Mm. morning. And so I absolutely, like, if someone's a bit cold, a bit frosty, that kind of thing, I used to think, fair enough. But to be an out-and-out dick, Mm. I think, come on, like, 
And why are you making the makeup artist cry? She's just going to make you look ugly. (laughs) That is stupid. Oh, I had another woman who, um, she was in a bad mood, so she wouldn't lift her head up to have her makeup done. She um, (laughs) kept, she sat down with her chin in her chest and the makeup artist had to get on her hands and knees and lean on her lap to do her makeup, um, like, face down. She wouldn't put her head up. That is amazing. Yeah, it was, I, I was just like, what? This is ridiculous. I used to find it quite rude when people fell asleep, but actually now, having worked a bit more on shoots, I actually see the makeup they artist have, doesn't. The makeup artist doesn't no, care. Then they might have just flown in, so it's pretty exactly. easy as well. They're not gabbing away. Um, but yeah, the face down one, I was a bit like, "What the hell?" Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up now. So I think the thing that um, I will be drawing attention to is to your fabulous books. Thank you. I think it goes without saying that the links are going to be in the show notes. And I think I want a collective social media bullying of Joe on Twitter, the link to which I will put on, <laughs> Thank you so much. on the show notes to get the fiction book written because I think we all want to get see... Get some positive trolling going on. Positive trolling in order to get Ms. Bagshot... Ms. Bagshot out there. On, onto the bookshelf. The high-class madam she deserves. And then when, when the book is out, I think you should come back and we should talk about that too <laughs> have a reading maybe we should maybe reading, we should do a reading, a reading about sex scene. oh god i am having a problem with the sex scene though because there are there are quite a lot of words which are quite sexy for a male member mm. the woman's one i'm really struggling with yeah it's kind of only the the p word which is a bit porno <laughs> and vagina is too gynecological mm-hmm. Do you know what? I think Grace Timothy, Mumface, who has been on this show before and who has a book coming out, um, I love the... Have you seen the tagline for her book? Oh, um, yeah, I think I have, actually. When you had a baby and lost her shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, She's put a Facebook thing out saying the exact same thing. Can anyone think of some synonyms for vagina? It's so difficult. Yeah, I I have had to go with the P, the P word. Okay, and Um, have you read lots of erotic literature? Yeah, and it is... it's often the c word oh no i think that's too much no yeah we're not we're are you talking i know what you're saying but also my brain just just um gave me an update just a ping do i also remember that in 50 shades they also use the word cleft oh moist cleft yeah they do yeah they do moist cleft that sounds like something in your bathroom that you were talking about earlier Oh, oh yeah, I've got a bit of a problem with a moist cleft. I've got to get my, my damp course done. Yeah, my air filtration system's broken and my, my, my cleft is moist as anything. Cleft! And also, yeah. cleft doesn't go anywhere. Cleft is like a little dart in a rock. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you've got a cleft going on, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> right. On I, that note. I think that's a call to action. Listeners, if you have any preferred words to describe... That are still sexy. That are still sexy. If you, yeah, just, you know, can be anonymous. You can DM me. Yeah, please do. You can do. email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns or on Twitter where I'm also at Emma Guns or um, DM Joe, and I'll please, put all her info. Yeah, please tell me. What, what can I say so I don't have to say pussy all the time? <laughs> Yeah, we need to help you with that. Yeah, okay, you excellent. Help me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming all the way over to my flat. And um, I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> Thank you. I will be sure to send you one. Before you go, just thought I'd let you know that if you want to get in touch with the show, it couldn't be easier. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter, where I am at Emma Guns. And if you've been enjoying the show, whether it was this one or another episode, then please do head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review to help get the show noticed and set it soaring up the charts. I would be most, most grateful. Thank you again. I have more guests lined up for another episode of The Emma Guns Show, so I look forward to you joining me then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.